0: Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's Fan Club on Bar Radio.
1: We're off! I didn't think that that would work. I'm really sorry, Nathaniel and Natalie and Irene. I'm very sorry, everyone, for being late. Couldn't find my headphones. Someone else has used my uh, recording studio. Someone else has used my recording studio and not left it the way they found it, Um, (laughs) which was, uh, to be fair, a shithole. It's all tidy now. (laughs) I don't like it, I feel. And at ease. Anyway, um, so, uh, uh, hello, how are you? Pretty good, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I should say, this, you're listening to Five Star Family Fun Size Fan Club, and that you are Nick Helm. My name's Nick. And my name is Nathaniel Metcalf. Um Metcalfa. Uh, and you've been on your holidays this week, right?
1: It's a th- it's a Thursday today. We normally record on a Wednesday between it. two and four. Uh, as live, it's as live. It is as live. You know, there's very few edits unless uh, our guest turns out to be a right cunt, and then we have to do some uh, uh, some patch up, some PR work for him. A little bit of a patch up job. But that's only happened twice. <laughs> um and (laughs) um but by all means write in and guess
2: who you think it was and
1: we will send you a fan club t-shirt which will be available in our merch store at some point down the line um
2: when we when we
1: when we do it when we do it if we decide to you know i'm still kind of waiting for this show to take off uh it's 145 episodes in give it time uh double that in hours <laughs> so, coming up to 300 hours worth of content still waiting for uh, to, <laughs> to be shouted at in the street uh but you know um early days yeah no early days it's early yeah. days we're only three years into this experiment uh, it gets me out of the house. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't anymore, no. doesn't even do that anymore. doesn't <laughs> even do that anymore. Still, you know, tell your friends.
2: Uh, <laughs> Please, for the love of God, tell your friends.
1: Oh, don't. Oh, don't. Um, Keep it yeah, a secret. Malta, 199 in Malta this week. Well, it's too little too late. I've sort of given up.
2: And right, is on, the, top, right on the cusp. I mean, what's is happening? It, something's it's happening in
1: Malta, isn't it? Is is something happening in Malta this week?
2: Yeah, I think it is top
1: 200. Yeah, 199 isn't... Yeah. Hmm. What's happened in Malta this week?
2: Yeah. Can you look that up, Natalie? I'm sure there was some news story, unless it's horrific and
1: tragic, and then we'll avoid it. And then we might end up cutting this bit.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and I say, you know, it is, it is as live, obviously, but whenever Nathaniel uh, ends up offending entire... Continents, countries. I'm a loose national. cannon. He is I'm a like, uh, he's famously a loose cannon. Loose cannon. You never know what he's going to say.
2: I'm like Sean Ryder when he was on TFI Friday, and he kept swearing. Uh, yeah. And they had Only to introduce a
1: delay. You're more likely to, uh, you know, say something off colour about Rice Krispies. <laughs> it's um, true. <laughs> People do take that sort of thing very seriously, so it's, it's, it's important. Um, yeah, so I've been on holiday.
2: Well, yeah. oh, Justin, Justin, before I get into holidays, Malta to accept all AstraZeneca vaccines given in the UK. Okay, so that means we can travel to Malta now, so maybe this is the start of the world tour.
1: The world tour. England.
2: Malta. Malta. We might not bother with England. Um, maybe done England,
1: really? I feel like we've done England. Uh, <laughs> we done to Malta, to uh, but then I think you know we should do Wales and Scotland. Sure. In a way, the very first fan club was in uh, Wales, wasn't it?
2: It was. It was technically, yeah, a sort of. Uh, you
1: know, it it went very badly. It didn't go very well. badly, indeed. People hated us. People were f- angry. Uh, they, were, they were like, they just didn't talk about anything other than Robin and Prince of Thieves DVD extras. And it's like, yeah, that was what we advertised. And, <laughs> we should uh, have known. <laughs> persevered. People, were ab- people were absolutely furious with it. But, we persevered and um, thought,
2: the best thing we need to sort this out is we need an audience that can't look at us funny when we talk about this stuff for two hours.
1: Yeah, because, because if we can't see it, we you, you don't know if you've walked. <laughs> the thing about doing it in a room is that people can walk in and out.
2: Yeah, uh, they uh, want uh, to. Out, Not enjoying outrageous. this, I'll leave. Uh,
1: but the thing is, uh, w- w- we can just talk for two hours and then we never have to deal with this ever again. No,
2: the so awkwardness you can, you, of someone leaving.
1: You can be listening. You can, the only thing, I guess having a kind of like a weekly update on uh, where we are in the Maltese charts is a little bit like... Watching people come in and out, of <laughs> yeah. and it, and and by that standard, it seems to me that we've been performing in front of empty rooms for weeks. <laughs> uh, and occasionally, like this week, 199, someone has popped their head around the door, watched for a couple of minutes, and gone. Nah, it's not for me. It's not for me. But uh, yeah, it's great. Um, Malta is drawing big productions in from Sky, Apple, and Universal. That's great. What is that? Good luck. I'd like to. Three companies that don't hire me? What? <laughs> You're rubbing it in? <laughs> don't worry Nick, you'll always have a home at Bar. Great. So let's go. <laughs> You've been on allergies this week? I've been on, I went on, I went on, I went on, uh, oh I'm sure by the way, I have a very good relationship with Apple and Sky. Um, it's uh, never been better. And universal, I haven't really uh, made any, um, you know, uh, effort with. I have to say, but like with Apple, I've and Sky, I've got a very very good relationship. Oh, I should say reception. Really, I've got very good reception. Uh, my my, <laughs> my my Sky subscription is as clear as a whistle, hey. and. Uh, 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 <laughs> Apple, I do find a bit expensive, but, you know, you can't beat Apple Pay. I had to renew, my, my bank card went missing in my flat, had to renew my bank card, uh, and I could just pay everywhere with Apple Pay. Uh,
2: that's
1: handy. Was Very handy. Uh, handheld as well, so uh, so that's great. Yeah. Well
2: done, Apple. So, well done for thinking that one up.
1: Does Foo Bar have a credit card? No, I don't think so um so um no i love it i love it i mean uh <laughs> where am i <laughs> i there went on holidays. holiday yes i went on holiday yes so is that how you ask people about their holidays Nathaniel? you say you went on holidays
2: have you had a nice holiday
1: i had a lovely holiday thank you thank you for acting like a human for once <laughs> uh <laughs> i had a, i've had a lovely do you know what i had a lovely holiday Did you Um, visit Rick Stein's restaurant? Yes. Stayed at Rick Stein's restaurant. Oh, yeah.
2: It's a hotel as well.
1: Well, it's in Padstow. So that isn't where we started. We went... uh, We started in Torquay. Um, um, We didn't stay very long. (laughs) Um, I've not been to Torquay before. My impression of Torquay was that... um, uh, (laughs) Um, that Faulty Towers is set in Torquay mm. and that the hotel experience of Faulty Towers w- within Torquay was a one-off. Mm.
2: And you would think it's if you like, ran a hotel in Torquay, you would be like, well, we got to really double down here and do a good job, right?
1: We've got to do a really good job. Well, I think doubling down would be, will make it even worse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... But yeah, I, I, you'd, you'd think, God, fucking hell, we've just got to prove to anyone that comes to Torquay how great an experience staying in Torquay is. And um, uh, yeah, we got to Torquay and it was troubling. We got, um, <laughs> yeah, but because I just assumed that Faulty Towers was kind of like, oh, this is... the th- th- this is like, you go to Torquay and Faulty Towers is a tourist trap because, you know, there's all these places to stay. And if you are unlucky enough to end up at Faulty Towers, this is the worst hotel by a long way in a very nice kind of like holiday destination. Um, uh, when in actual fact, we got to Torquay. Uh, we drove quite a long time, got to Torquay, checked into the Airbnb had a weird smell which wasn't Torquay's fault just the place and it was sort of like all decorated with weird sort of like football stuff because I guess they were renting it out for people that like football Uh, because it was the Saturday before the Sunday of the Euro finals and um, yeah Uh, we got there and it was like oh, it was it didn't quite look like the pictures that they had advertised it with And then, so we were like, okay, that's fine. We'll go out for dinner. And it was about eight, eight eight-ish. And we went out for dinner and it took us a while to find anywhere. And then um, everywhere was closed at nine. We couldn't get in anywhere. (laughs) So then we were like, oh, no. All right, well, it'll be fine. We'll just sort of like, because we had reservations at Rick's Dine from Valentine's Day from, you know, that were being like rolled over like several times and then we have eventually sort of like gone like that. I didn't, I went to, I had reservations with David Trent many years ago for um, former fan club member or current, oh, current fan club, once a member, always a member, yeah. uh, Michael O'Hare. And we went to his restaurant, the man behind the curtain in Leeds. We sat down, got water. It was well documented on my TV show, the Leeds episode, uh, the Heart Out with Nick Helm um and we got there ordered water sat down started drinking it and then we were asked to leave because (laughs) it was fully booked and our reservation was for the following week (laughs) so me and me and trent and (laughs) Katia, who who worked for glorious my agency we all uh, um had to get up in a on a very busy saturday i think and leave this absolutely (laughs) rammed rammed, silent restaurant as uh, everyone stared at us as we left and David Trent was very loud and very embarrassing taking photos (laughs) of everything but I've never seen him genuinely embarrassed before and he was so embarrassed. I mean I've told that story very badly I feel but I feel like I've told it before. Um, Anyway so I have like a, a, a kind of a distrust of bookings Especially somewhere really nice, and like feel like they're going to ask us to leave at any point because it's not true. So we had this Rick's time booking for like Tuesday. And we we're like, what are we going to do? So we went to torquay and we we're going to stay there for a few days. And we on the, on the Saturday night we went out to try and find somewhere. We looked, and it's got like palm trees and stuff. And we're like, oh, it's all right. It's nice oh, yeah, it's like it's like Miami. And then, um, uh, but everything was closed. I appreciate we've had a pandemic Um, but we were trying to get in for food they stopped surfing food at like nine o'clock and we're like oh if only we'd known so I went into a um, we went into an off license to see if we could get any emergency food so that we could have something to eat that (laughs) and everyone the whole town was absolutely hammered and it seemed like everyone was going home at like a quarter to 10 like right. going home going to bed like it was like the whole the whole town was kind of like it was like it being in a zombie apocalypse like yeah, yeah. people were lurching out at you and sort of like shouting and we went into this off license <laughs> and I was sort of like trying to grab some sort of like supplies we we hadn't been uh had, I been i been eating carbs and so it was like I was going to you know i'd done a month of no carbs it's made absolutely no difference and i was going to eat kind of like bread and pasta and stuff and rice you know as sort of like because it was like an experiment the no carbs thing to see what happened so we were in there buying like biscuits and whatever you can get and like this tiny it wasn't like a it was like a tiny little kind of like off license with a couple of fridges that sold milk and stuff and we bought these um kfc ridge cut <laughs> crisps <laughs> kfc flavored ridge cut crisps and we're like okay we're, like by we're in there and then this guy comes in he's not wearing a mask and he's absolutely hammered and he and he starts touching me like but like with his hands all over me Huh? And he goes oh uh you probably d- d- weren't expecting a drunk man to come out and grab you and i'm like I this is like hitting all of my anxiety. <laughs> uh look, I'm just like, get him off me. Oh my God. So this guy and so we sort of like stood like traumatized in the corner of this off license till he left. And then um and then we went outside and there was sort of like a fish and chip shop, an Indian takeaway and a Chinese takeaway. And they were all kind of like um, surrounded by small groups of hammered people that were all, like, shouting at each other. But they were like, all right, no. it was just awful. And I was like, oh, God, okay, right. Um, and um, so we went into this Chinese takeaway, because I haven't had any Chinese food in a month, and it's one of my favourites. <laughs> and uh, we ordered some food, and again, it was kind of like, we were like tired and we'd been driving and we were disappointed and the house smelt weird so we bought air freshener as well and then uh, we ended up getting this Chinese takeaway and going home and we were a bit disappointed with how much money we spent on like this thing and we just went around the house systematically spraying every room with air freshener and then um <laughs> And then I booked a hotel in um, in uh, uh, Saint Ives, and we and we got up early in the morning. We packed, and we were like, "We've done talking." Yeah, that's it. So we, that's it. We're done. I mean, I don't know what else I could, I can do. I had uh, we went out for dinner. I had a close encounter with a stranger. Uh, I had a sleepless night, and then we we're like, "Right, we're off." <laughs> So we went down to St. Ives the next day and uh, we were going to go to Penzance, but when we got to Penzance, we realized that Land's End was sort of like a left. Uh, Penzance was a right and Land's End was a left. It was like, well, when are we going to be in this area again? So, um, we drove to Land's End and it was so misty and it's like this coastal path. It was so misty. Uh, And she was like, uh, put something on, Put something atmospheric on. So I'll give you, I'll give you two guesses.
2: I'll give you uh, two guesses. Did you put the fog soundtrack on?
1: <laughs> I did at some point, and you're so <laughs> close. Um, I put John Carpenter Lost Themes 3 on. Right? <laughs> And fuck me, it was absolutely incredible. We were driving through <laughs> these countries. I thought you'd either say John Carpenter or Goblin. It was like, yeah, it was John Carpenter. And then, and then on the way back, I think I put The Fog on. The Fog <laughs> is a really sort of like nondescript theme tune. I can't bring it to mind, actually. But... It, it's, it's, like, it's, not, it's kind of like got sh- shades of ha- Halloween. What is so great about Lost, Lost Themes 3... I think Lost Themes 3 is such a good album. Lost Themes, one is good Lost Themes, two is good Lost Themes 3. Oh my God. I mean, the atmosphere was so good. It was so misty. You could probably see hmm, three meters in front of you in the car and you're driving down these paths and it's sort of like bleak. You're, at the, you're going towards a place called Land's End. You're at the end of the world and you're driving through the mist really slowly. Cars keep sort of like leaping out at you on the way and you're on these narrow roads. You have to keep pulling over. And we've got John Carpenter cranked up. And yeah, it's fucking great. Um, Even when we, you know, once we finished Lost Themes, I put The Fog on. I was so disappointed with The Fog. I put Escape from New York on. And that's even better than The Fog in terms of atmosphere. The Fog feels like it, like, even though it was like 1980, 1981, whenever we made it, It feels like it's a John Carpenter Greatest Hits that doesn't have anything sort of like standout-ish about it, really. It's kind of like a John Carpenter tribute song. And Lost Themes is just all like, you can imagine the fucking films in your head. If you don't know what Lost Themes are, listeners, John Carpenter basically, he doesn't get the money to make movies anymore. So what he does is he writes soundtracks and then... You listen to them, and you write the movies yourself, basically. <laughs> and um, whenever I'm writing, I kind of like whack on one of his lost themes, because it's good because you you don't associate it with an actual film, mm. and it really helps you like write stuff they are they're, oh, they're amazing the albums. And uh, yeah, we get there, and we're driving through it, and then uh, La then pops up. I come up with three ideas for three films on my way there. I start like writing to my little notebook and then we get to Land's End we get out and people are like oh it's a bit touristy it's so fucking touristy uh it's got like an Ardman animation museum it's got a 4D uh pirate experience it's got a Brian Blessed narrated maze it's got a farm everything was uh, not everything was closed the farm we didn't go on the farm it was too misty but you go to it's one of the most beautiful parts of the country I've ever seen there's like the last pub, um, the last and first inn in England. It's just so cool. There's sort of like there's coves and caves that you can see from, you know, the cliff. Uh, there's uh, lighthouses. Oh, it, was, it was just so good. It was just so good. It was so, it really fired up my imagination. And I was like, this is so exciting. It made me feel like a child again. I loved it. Um uh, and we drove back from Lands End, went to St Ives. Um, we went out for uh, this Sunday, the Sunday of the football. So I'm not into football, but she wanted to, wanted to watch it. Um, I, you know, we've had sort of like discussions about this. I think you not not me and you, me and my girlfriend, and and other people as well. It's really weird. I've never shown an interest. Sorry, this is a bit of a monologue, isn't it? That's um, good. But I've never really, well, because we, I guess we talk about fandom and f- what we're fans of every week, and football has never really come up. And we even had, we've even had David Baddiel on, and I don't, I'm not even sure how much football came up when we out to him.
2: No, I thought that in the week, you know. I was thinking, I don't think we mentioned it, and yet it must be a, such a huge part of his life. And, and the, I kept thinking about the Three Lions song, and, like, that must be extraordinary to have done that. Like well, what is it
1: that's... now? Twenty eight years? ago No, twenty. God knows. Uh, tw- 25 years ago was 25 it? Twenty 19... five years ago, yeah, yeah. Ninety six was yeah. it? Um, I think it's sort of like one of the things that occurred to me is like David B and Fred Skinner. They are essentially they're immortal now. Right? Yeah, they don't actually need to achieve anything else. They don't actually need to do anything else because that song will be sung long after they're not around. Long after we're all dead. Hmm. That song will be sung at football matches, hmm. you know and um uh and it 'll be like you know twinkle twinkle little star or something like yeah. that it 's a song that people will it will be through osmosis people will know from birth yeah and um and uh, it may be one of them facts you know who who wrote it 's coming home
2: yeah there'll be a time where people will go, you know who wrote that' be like that. No. And they'll they'll yeah. go, <laughs> and and it'll be a
1: fact that will yeah. be looked up, and it'll be yeah. it was Dave with and Frank Skinner and the Lightning Seas. Yeah. and um and it'll be one of those facts, and it's just kind of like this, it, and it had only sort of like because I worked with him at the end of last year, and um, uh, and it's kind of like this thing where it it, it obviously he's part of it, but it's it, it's very easy to sort of like disassociate him from that. And and it's just it must be such a weird experience to be kind of like uh, immortalized, mm. and well, that's what it is, isn't it? And it's it's not really their property anymore. It's no. kind of like it's owned by, you know, I would say the nation, but I mean, I don't feel any particular ownership for it because it's a it's a club I was yeah. never. I yeah. don't feel I was ever. And invited. to be fair,
2: if I do hear it in the street, my my attitude to it is. Oh no! What's this?
1: <laughs> my my hand starts to sweat, my <laughs> my sphincter tightens, and I think, oh thank God, I've got a mask and a hat on. <laughs> um, it's like armor. It like protects you. Um, but yeah, good. I think it's. He, I do he,
2: think it is a proper phenomenon, isn't it? It's like a real. <clears throat> and I kind of think it's got like, I don't know. I, I um. I do wonder, like, is it something that they make tons of money out of or is it something? Yeah,
1: yeah surely. Must I mean, like, yeah, without even trying. <laughs> right. I'm sure, I'm sure it makes money all year round. And then every four years or every two years or every time there's any sort of football tournament, it gets, you know, another sort of, like, boost. I mean, yeah, they're always making money out, I'm sure. Good, I'm sure. Wow. Good for them um, yeah, but like um but but like so, okay, so my stance on football is that i'm not a massive not a massive fan, i'm not a fan one of the I'm, biggest. Not, I'm not one of the biggest fans, but I don't hate it, you <coughs> know what i mean I, I, um, um and so I had several people text me, and it felt sort of like malicious, like uh, you enjoying the football you know and I I, I know that that's one of them sort of like things because everyone's enjoying the football seemingly um, so it feels sort of like innocent enough but it was from people that know me and know that I'm not into football for instance uh, my mate John who was best man at his wedding Mm -hmm. and my mum right (laughs) right enjoying the football have you at least (laughs) tried to enjoy the football you know and it's kind of like and i felt and it's weird because i feel like it's kind of uh, if i'd have spent my whole life saying i hate football i'm not into football i don't like football that would be one thing but i've worked in sports bars um uh where it was all football fans and stuff like i'm just like one of those people that's kind of like if there's football on i can watch it I watched when uh, my friend Pat, our friend Pat came and visited a couple of years ago during the World Cup. We watched all of the matches together, but it was more like a hangout thing rather than I wanted to watch it. And if it wasn't on, I'd be just as happy. I have as much love and interest in football as I do for uh, university cricket. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't hate it. I just, I really don't have like a, a strong emotion about it at all. Um, so, uh, so it's just this, so it's just this, it's, it's just this weird thing where you have people like saying, oh yeah, you're raining on the uh, parade. You, you know, you've got enough, you know, you've got enough people that like football yeah. without me getting involved.
2: I know I'm, I'm painting everyone with the same brush, but I realise I don't think I, I don't think I particularly dislike football, but I think, what I do dislike is is uh, football fans on mass. Individuals, no, lots of big football fans, They're lovely people, but I think it's that mass. When I saw like people, you know, basically throwing uh, bricks at Burger King in uh, yeah. Leicester Square and things because they're enjoying themselves, I'm just like, feels like the and I kept imagining like, imagine if that was my Sunday that I went not really into the football, I'll go and see a film. And I'd gone there. I just think it'd been the worst day of my life. I'd just been like, I mean, I can't believe it.
1: I think it's saying something that, you know, I wanted them to win. uh, Not just because... Well, no, there's no reason other than... I watched the match. I thought they all played really well. And then it comes down to penalties. It's really weird, I think. Football's really weird where... um, I mean, I always used to really enjoy the penalty shootout. right? Mm. But when I was little this is my best bit <laughs> yeah but for me think, that's course, the best
2: bit I didn't watch any of the match when I heard it was penalties I turned the telly on because if, if like <laughs> that should be what the game is the
1: whole well, game think, should basically like, be that well either it should all be that yeah right? that's it that's or it should game. all be the other one what I think is weird is that you have 90 minutes of football one game right? and, then, and then you get another you get extra time yeah and then you get half an hour and then at the end of it if no one scored it turns into deal or no deal yeah, and it's they like they might as what? well just play a different what? game What's this? It's just kind of like it should be. It should be something else. Yeah, or at the end be... of
2: at the end of extra time, it's like they go right. But let's see who can beat the chasers. It's just like yeah. it doesn't. It's got nothing <laughs> yeah. to do. with it It's a different game. Then you're playing a, a different, different game. game with the it's same ball. Game.
1: It should be like boxing, where if it comes down to it, it has to be based on points and say, well, yeah. they fouled less, or yeah. or there was some better footwork over here. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like. Uh, I just found it, I just think it's just really odd, but everyone kind of like seems to be cool with it, and you go, all right. I think it's weird that it's on like you want them to win because you know that the economy is going to be better, everyone's going to be in a better mood, you're less likely to be attacked in the street Mm. or uh, (laughs) abused or shouted, and it's just kind of like, it's like there's this, for people that really enjoy it and love it, there's loads of positives, right? But if you're not really into it, it is kind of like, on a match day, you do kind of like go it goes from anything from well i can 't park to i can 't go to that area of London or wherever i live i can 't go in that shop i can 't go <laughs> in that pub i can 't go in that restaurant because football's taken over the whole and you just and, and then it just becomes like a series of inconveniences um, uh, and, and I also think what I was thinking was that you know there was, there's there 's been all of this like hate stuff um, Uh, with um, Mm. Star Wars and Marvel and DC and what I feel like is fandom in general has become kind of uh, more divisive and more kind of like um, Tribalist Tribalist, people support kind of like Marvel and DC like they support their teams Mm. and it's become very competitive and very kind of like abusive and the worst aspects of fandom are when you kind of like attack people and um, uh, and I think that it's really weird that film has sort of like turned into that. You know, mm. it's kind of like turned into kind of like this um, hooligan kind of like culture that's 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 come over from traditionally sport over to kind of like geek culture, nerd culture. And it's kind of, oh, it's just, I think it's absolutely, it's all fucking ridiculous and it's awful. and And, you know, so we were in St. Ives. And um, we watched the football. We didn't win, but I thought they played very well. And then we switched it off and you go, okay, and what next? And then you wake up the next day and even driving back yesterday on Wednesday, all of the front covers were all, all the front pages and all the petrol stations were all about Wembley and the fallout from the match. And it's kind of like, oh, you know, when the match finished, you know it's not like everyone goes oh they played really well it turned into like this really ugly horrible thing and you know it's sort of yeah i know it's been said millions of times by better better people to that, that are better equipped at doing it but it's just kind of like um you know it was great to get to the final it was an achievement for them to get to a final it's a really young team and i think what gareth southgate has done is is noticeably different and better and inclusive so to do something that that that's that positive and for a, a proportion a portion of society to take it away and turn it into a negative either take a negative from it or turn it into a negative is really sad and it's ridiculous and it's disgusting really um obviously but but f- to get to the end of the match and to kind of like have enjoyed it and I at the end of it I was like oh I don't know why I'm not into football because I really enjoyed that match do you know what I mean I was on my phone I was playing my brick and ball game on my phone all the way through it and <laughs> looked up every time there was an interesting bit but my girlfriend really enjoyed it and uh, and you know and I was you know fucking around on my phone and looked up every And at the end of it I was just like they all seem like lovely boys uh lovely team everyone all the fans are there we know loads of comedians that are really into it and um and you go oh and i was like yeah, i don't know why i never really got into it and then there was the fallout afterwards and it was like this is why yeah. it's sort of like it makes me feel <laughs> like i can't be bothered to get through all the good stuff because i've you know i was bullied at school i was shit at football at school i never had you know, I've t- said it before, whenever Romesh came on set, he would always ask whoever it was, you know, what's your favourite oh. team? And then he'd instantly start up a conversation. I feel like, you know, it's been kind of like, it's such a useful skill. You know, men don't have the best, and I'm just talking from my experience of being a man, but men don't have the best um, track record of being able to make small talk. So to have that in your back pocket that I know yeah. all about football is like an absolute, Gift. You can start a conversation with anyone about football if you've got that if you've got it. And I don't. And so I've always felt like it's been like a group that I haven't you know, a party, a series of parties that I've not been invited
2: No, it's a really interesting thing that, I think, that idea that and I've never thought of it in those terms, but I suppose it is, isn't it? It's a thing that most men can go Hey you, stranger. What's <laughs>
1: I've had conversations with taxi drivers about football for like 45 minutes and I've not <laughs> known a single thing that I've been saying I've done all the cliches because I was wondering I'm going to get found out at any point and then I didn't it's just um uh it just ended up deteriorating into a conversation about religious extremism and you kind of like go well I'm sorry I bought I bought, I bought that up <laughs> um <laughs> but um yeah, anyway, we've got to play a song. Play a song. For 30, 35 minutes. 34 minutes, uh, if, you're, if you're counting. Let's play a song.
0: Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's Fan Club on Foobar Radio.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll pick that up in a minute, Natalie. Uh, and by a minute, I mean an hour and 23 minutes. Um, <laughs> all right. okay, so... We got out. We went to St. I watched the football. Uh, we went to this. We went to this pasta restaurant. <laughs> Everything was closed. Right, my dream of being locked up for a year and a half has been get go to some restaurants, and um we got to like the home of seafood. I couldn't find fucking anywhere that did. It was like I went to Sri Lanka a few years ago, and the one thing I wanted was I wanted to try. An authentic Sri Lankan curry. Sure. And on and on the first day, because I, I love food, right? I love cooking. I love eating food. I love it all, and um, uh, I love learning. I love talking. You know, it's one of those things. where you have to eat to survive. So if you, it's always weird when you meet someone that says oh, I can't cook, and you go, "Well, why not?" Do you know what I mean? Just learn. And make learn learn th- three dishes or four dishes that you really like. And then, you know, you can always treat someone. Um, I think it's a good way of, like, expressing uh, the care and love that you have for someone is by force feeding them uh, <laughs> on, a, on an evening, on a cold, dark evening. Um, I went to Sri Lanka and, I, you know, I wanted to eat um, Sri Lankan food. And I was staying in quite a touristy area because I was staying uh, with uh, my girlfriend at the time who was working on uh, the TV show Good Karma Hospital. Uh, and it's set in India, they film it in Sri Lanka. And um, so I went out to visit, and where they were staying was a place called Gaul, uh, which is kind of like a touristy bit. And you go into to a restaurant and you say, Oh, I'd really love some traditional, proper Sri Lankan food. And they say, Yeah, absolutely we do a coconut prawn Sri Lankan curry, we do Thai green curry, we do uh, fish and chips, lasagna, bangers and mash, spaghetti bolognese. (laughs) And and I'm like, well, I'll have the Sri Lankan curry, please. And I'll have the coconut prawn Sri Lankan curry. And they do that and you eat it. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's incredible. This is only lunch, and it's absolutely incredible. It's cheap, it's affordable, it's healthy, it's got fresh ingredients, it's absolutely great. And you go to the next place, you know, it's dinner time, and you kind of go, right, I really like some Sri Lankan food, you know, because I've had the taste for it, it's really lovely. And you go, what Sri Lankan food have you got? And they go, yeah, we've got, we got, we got coconut prawn Sri Lankan curry. And you go, yes, that is great. What else have you got? And they go, yeah, well, if you want Sri Lankan food, come to the right place. We've got Thai green curry, <laughs> hangers and mash, fish and chips, lasagna, <laughs> spaghetti bolognese, pizza. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, I'll have the Sri Lankan Thai. I'll have the Sri Lankan coconut prawn curry. And then you go, oh, it's breakfast time now. Oh. And I was, I was alone exploring because she was working on film set all day. And I was exploring Red Sri Lanka and I'd kind of go to a place, and I'm very nervous and anxious about going into places by myself you <laughs> go what have you got for what have you got for me and, uh, I'm just really interested in trying something really desperate now. There's all this seafood you see people hauling up all this seafood on the beaches. oh my God, look at the size of them fucking lobsters. Oh, I just really want some traditional Sri Lankan so go brilliant you've come to the right place. we've got coconut prawn <laughs> Sri Lankan curry go, yeah, yeah 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 I've had that <laughs> and then we got um we got uh, Thai green curry <laughs> got bangers mashed fish and chips spaghetti <laughs> bolognese, lasagna pizza yeah oh, I love a Sri Lankan curry. and by about the fourth meal you're just like if I have another fucking Sri Lankan prawn coconut curry I'll go fucking me. go to the place I really want some Sri Lankan food what have you got and they say oh we've got Shri- i'll have a fucking pizza just give me a pizza i'll have a pizza <laughs> and a beer and just oh, that's what i'll have and then i came back to london and there was a sri lankan restaurant and i had the best sri lankan food i'd ever eaten and it was just it's a place called uh, hoppers in london and uh, and me and romesh went and um, is that in soho there's one there's a hoppers by king's cross and uh there's another place in soho i can't remember what that's called by the uh by the windmill uh, yeah, yeah i keep
2: walking past that one that one always looks nice
1: that's uh, just up from the white horse pub yes yes yeah it that place it's like a bar and you sit at the bar that's where i went and it's oh god it's so good it was, I mean, he's vegan, so we basically... Ate. It's just, you don't know to, Like, not I don't think that you need... And that's a whole fucking load of fucking... Anyway, it was so good. It was just... Oh, um, Sri Lanka food is like... Um, it's sort of like a subtle... Uh, I think, like, you think of, like, a traditional uh, curry, Indian curry, as maybe a treat, you know and these places are amazing but it's kind of like the Sri Lankan food is kind of like um a daily food you know that you can eat for you, eat like, it, you eat like a lentil dal for breakfast and it gives you the energy to sort of like get on with your day it's fucking incredible but yeah I had to come <laughs> but I was in Sri Lanka and I couldn't find any Sri Lankan food and then you end up coming home um but that's a lot to do with the tourists you know um there were large groups of um european tourists and they were eating like huge tables of like 10 20 people and they were all eating pasta and right. they're kind of like that seems like they're catering for what they're be, you know the supply and demand really hmm. um and there were other places in Sri Lanka we i was just happened to be in a very touristy bit because that's where they were filming but yeah um anyway why am i talking about that yeah so we are in fucking the place of seafood And you couldn't get any fucking seafood. Everything was fucking closed or not serving or full. It was just like, oh my God. It was a Sunday. So we kind of like left early and we wanted to get back in time for the football at eight. So we were out about 5.30. I couldn't find anywhere. We ended up eating in this uh, Italian restaurant. And I broke my carb thing by having uh, pasta for the first time in over a month. And, oh, it's the worst thing I've ever eaten. Um, Oh, Really? it was just so disappointing and then that was i'm just looking at my i made a little uh, diary of stuff and then we went to penzance um and everything was closed uh it was you couldn't find any food in penzance we ended up going on a little boat thing and that was incredible we went on a boat we saw seals and you know went around the coast uh my foot fucked up and i couldn't walk uh, so I had to buy a walking stick, and I was walking around, <laughs> walking around with this walking stick, because uh, like, my foot had been fucked since we got there. I think it was fucked before before we set off even, and I was limping. And then eventually got so bad, and we we're doing so much walking, I got a walking stick, and it actually, re- and, you know, the next day I was all healed. And we went to it, everything was closed. We didn't know what to do, so we ended up going to like the um amusements on the seafront, and then we got fish and chips. Watched the boats it was brilliant and then on the Tuesday we went to Padstow um, and uh, I still didn't believe that we'd had our booking Uh, you know that that our booking was going to go through for Rick Stein and um, yeah we checked in had uh, three o'clock dinner, <laughs> which, is bre- which is lunch, lunch right? Lunch. So we, we were calling it, she's northern, so she, she calls lunch dinner. Um, uh, bought a lot of fucking fudge. And, uh, and then on the Wednesday, on the way back, we drove through Bodmin Moor, went to Jamaica Inn, went to the Jamaica oh, yeah. Inn Museum, and learn all about uh, Daphne du Maur- du Maurier and smugglers and Hitchcock. Drove past Stonehenge. Oh, I that's, mean, my,
2: that's my bag. I'd be up for it that. It was
1: like we did some of the most touristy things. Like it's almost like. Um, like cornwall is sort of a little bit like disney world where you've got the epcot center and you've got the magic kingdom and you've got all of uh, all of like the the water parks and it, but it's all spread out over a large area and so you know we drove and did you know land's end is really touristy uh you know we had a cornish pasty at land's end and paid 15 quid for a cornish pasty done um, that it was yet. brilliant it was so good. It was just so good. I all about pirates. I bought, I bought fudge everywhere I went. Um, and then to wrap it all off with going to Jamaica Inn. And then last night when we got back, we watched Jamaica Inn, uh, the Hitchcock film. Uh, we were out on Bodmin Moor looking for the beast. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, it was so good. Um, yes, I didn't realise, get, getting back on track... It was just, I had a really great holiday. We went away for five days. Two of them were travel days. And aside from like a full start, it was brilliant. So I guess, like, I'm a real, I think that, I think I'm going to share this with you, Nathaniel, and Mm -hmm. to a lesser extent, uh, Malta. But if you're going on, uh, is it a staycation if you stay in the country? Or is it a staycation if you stay in your flat?
2: Oh, I think it's in the country, is it? Is that what they mean by it? I think they've changed the meaning this year. I think it used to be you just stay at home, right?
1: We didn't go abroad. Yeah. Yeah. We stayed in the country. We stayed in Cornwall. But I think the thing is to do is to keep moving, spend a day in all of these places, find three things, including a meal, to do every day. And you can't really go wrong. Staycation is a holiday spent in one's home country rather than abroad. Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah. One spent at home and involved day trips to local attractions. So we 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 went out, but like every day we did about three things. Even on the way home, we did Bodmin Moor, Jamaica, in Stonehenge. Right, and I felt like that was time well spent. Yeah, that's
2: a good. That is a good. You know, I'd be up for it. Um,
1: it was so good. It was, and and so I think that. I've really fucked up in the past where I've ended up just not leaving my hotel for days because I've have a panic attack and I'm anxious or I'm on my own. But what we did was we went out and we had at least one thing that we wanted to do. And then we'd sort of like improvise around it, but going on a boat, getting fish and chips and watching the, the, the the ships and uh, going to like the arcades. That was, you get home and you feel like you've done something, you know, it was brilliant. Anyway, how was, how was
2: Rick Stein? How was Rick Stein's restaurant? What was the food like?
1: Um, I mean, he's obviously my favourite chef. Um, And I got really emotional actually going in there. There's like loads of artwork on the walls and it's all really pretty and looks nice. It's a really good seafood restaurant. Um, It's kind of like... uh, I'm a big fan of the chain Lock Fine. Yeah. And it's kind of like... A better slightly better than a lock fine nice in terms of quality of food right it's i mean it's you we're talking about a fruit de which is um ingredients that are assembled rather than a recipe yeah so yeah. you have a langoustine and an oyster that's been shucked and you know you have winkles and cockles and whelks and all this stuff you know and um uh mussels and it's kind of like uh, um, scallops and lobster and crab and it's sort of like an assembly of these things rather than it's a thing so it's kind of like uh, it's all based on its ingredients and you can have better and worse ingredients but it's within a bracket it's within a a margin you know Mm. a fruit de mer someplace unless it's like being taken out of toxic waste isn't gonna taste that much different from a and somewhere i would say so anyway it was really good but the whole experience the staff were incredible um the uh, restaurant was really relaxing and beautiful we weren't drinking uh and we had non-alcoholic cocktails and they were all really delicious like it was just the whole thing was brilliant i got like quite emotional about it um and then at the end of it you feel like you've done it and you go oh that was great and we spent just the right amount of time then, and we left, and yeah, it was brilliant. But I think that um, I've been abroad, and I haven't got as much out of um, a holiday as I did in the f- three... Essentially, we had three holiday days and two travel days. Mm. And I haven't, you know, I, I got so much out of the holiday. And... I've been writing loads I had a notebook and I just write down every time I had an idea I got like a quarter of the way through a little notebook turns out that I that I haven't run out of ideas, but like, I don't find my flat particularly inspiring. What
2: after 18 months?
1: in terms of creativity as soon as lockdown happened my brain stopped working and i couldn't write anything and then i went to cornwall for three days and i've suddenly got all of these amazing exciting ideas new ideas and also um ways of fixing old ideas you know so so i can move forward and i just like it's it's done me it's done me really great i don't want to go back into like old routines when i'm back in my flat and i think the Mm. idea is Yeah, i've been naturally waking up at eight o'clock in the morning so i think the idea is to get up get out and and start writing stuff and Mm. and it's yeah uh, it's great anyway so um so what can i say uh now things are opening up again plan it well because everything's going to be really fucking busy not just people that are desperate to get out of their houses And so they're just randomly driving to Cornwall. But like us, we booked these things like months and months ago. And so everything that's been booked has got a knock-on effect and it's all like rollovers. So you've got places, you've got hotels and restaurants that are all kind of like honouring their bookings, but they're also like trying to get through it all. So as soon as they're allowed open, they're phoning everyone up and like saying, you've got a booking with us. Can you do it this weekend? Can you do it on Wednesday? Can you?" And they're just trying to get through everyone. And so you get to somewhere like Padstow, which is small, and everything's booked out and everything's rammed because you've got a backlog of, you know, a year and a half worth of holidays that they're trying to get through. So think ahead and do it. But, I, you know, I've, it's been – and we're probably going to all get locked down again anyway. <laughs> But I just, if you do get out, plan it. But I had a, I had a great time. Great. Okay. Um, oh, so the thing, that, so going back on topic for two minutes before we get into our fan mail. Have we got any fan mail? No, mm-hmm. oh, we do. we have got, got, got a
2: long one, apparently.
1: Um, just to say, I didn't realise that Daphne du Maurier not only wrote Jamaica In, but she wrote The Birds yeah. and Rebecca. Yeah. And Don't Look Now know, uh, yeah, well, don't look now, I didn't know, but the fact that Hitchcock went back to her three times mm. and was just like bingo, bango, bongo, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. they're all great. I didn't, I didn't realise that, I guess I kind of subconsciously knew that Rebecca was definitely Tomorrow, but, um, I did not know that the birds was. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Of course you did. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're worse than me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but no um, it is interesting I always think that it's like a really interesting like for Hitchcock he's, he's obviously reading a lot and trying to pick like the best kind of uh material to make films from
1: well the film, to make in, from. the film Jamaica Inn the film Jamaica Inn came out in 1939 and the book was released in 1936 right uh and so so she was in her 20s when she wrote it um and so it's like it was it's very much similar to stanley kubrick going what's the, what's the biggest book at the moment yeah, shining yeah, yeah. i'll make that into a film it's hitchcock because it, it, it does all of the promotions for it if it's a best-selling book you make a film of it everyone's heard of it either people want to see a great film adaptation they haven't read the book and they want the film to do the work for them or they've read the book and they want a good time or they've read the book and they want to see how bad the film is compared mm. to it you know, it's kind of like you can't really lose if you adapt like a... Well, you can, as other <laughs> films have proven. But it's kind of really interesting. I, I, going to The Shining and like how when you read The Shining, other things become apparent in the film, even though it's not a direct adaptation. When you look at the birds, I wonder, um, because everyone's like, well, what starts the thing in the first place? Is it the fact that the lovebirds have been caged, for instance, and that's what starts off the, the birdemic? ...but maybe there's answers... in the book. Don't
2: know. Don't know, but
1: it Come is on, This was... this was your moment to shine, you had to... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do the fan mail. Um... Hello, film friends! Enjoying the news of your success abroad?
2: Mm. Is, is that you the
1: proud? I guess it is. You are making the nation... It wasn't just Malta, though. Where was the other place? If you could recast the Police Academy films, who would you have as the main? That's <laughs> <laughs> Mahoney, Hightower, Jones, Hooks, Ed <laughs> Callahan, L- Lassard, Sergeant Copeland. Thanks for this. It will make my week. Here's to mock Carpenter Films, Francis. Okay, right. Well, I remember that there was an April Fool's joke at the time. And it was um, saying that basically the team, like Todd Phillips was going to direct a Police Academy remake. And I thought that that would be perfect because you'd have Luke Wilson as Mahoney you'd have uh, Will Ferrell as Tackleberry, uh, and then there'd be other people in it. But I think if you cast Luke Wilson as Mahoney, who's kind of like... Uh, he's not smug like Steve Gutenberg. Mm. So he's got this affable, likeable, everyman charm, whilst at the same time he can still be really funny. And so I think if you start with... Um, Luke Wilson then you've got kind of right like, you do everything accordingly
2: Sounds good Yeah you could even have
1: um like Leslie Nielsen wasn't that far away from Lasard anyway Who was the um who was Harris Sergeant Harris You could even have someone like Ben Stiller as Harris
2: Yeah I didn't think of it initially because I was, I always think of those films as being like kind of very much up-and-coming or sort of small... There, there wasn't really stars at the time. Even Gutenberg wasn't really a star at the start. He became a star off the back of them. But yeah, you're right. I think if you were doing it now, you'd probably try and cast it with, like, big comedy stars.
1: Because if you didn't, you'd end up with something like Super Troopers, right? Yeah, Where you'd have exactly. maybe, like, a, a Brian Cox it oh, I, I don't like. I'm not a fan of Super Troopers. But, um you'd have like a Brian Cox character to sort of give it a bit of authenticity and then everyone else would be... You'd you'd get like a comedy troupe. It's essentially a remake of Police Academy anyway, isn't it, Super Mm -hmm. Troopers? But, um, yeah, I would think that you could go quite classy with a Luke Wilson type thing and do it like that intellectual slacker kind of broad comedy that they were doing in the mid-2000s. But there's no place for it really anymore anyway. Dear Nick and Nada, I was just watching a bit of Mission Impossible, didn't I? The
2: 1996... One that kicked off the very famous film franchise.
1: And though it's still a very enjoyable movie, the rudimentary uh, use of the internet really dates it at times. In particular, there's a scene where Ethan...
2: Tom Cruise...
1: ...has just escaped a weird aquarium cafe which Kittredge chooses as an ideal place to confront a dangerous super agent.
2: What could possibly go wrong in a room where all the walls are glass, water and fish
1: and made it back to his hideout. He pops on the computer with two clues, Job 314 and the name Max. An arms dealer. After logging on to a weird 90s spy browser, he searches Job 314, which is fair enough. But his next search is a shocker. He knows there's a super-secret criminal called Max who is great at covering their tracks. Literally, all he knows about this shadowy character is that they specialize in being anonymous. So what does he search? Max.com. What did he expect to find? His fucking <laughs> blog about the trendiest new sports? <laughs> new armed skills? Anyway... That's probably not super useful as a question. So here's one. Tom Cruise plays the same parts now at 59 as he was 25 years ago. Action hero, hunk dudes.
2: Not not counting a couple of comedy roles and a foray into indie films in the late 90s.
1: At some point, he's going to have to suddenly start playing older characters. So how do you see that transition happening? And what kind of roles could you see? Old Tom Cruise in? really love the show, guys. And thanks for keeping it over... Uh, thanks for keeping it going over the past year, Ben. We're well, very welcome. It was a struggle, but we did it.
2: Um, I cannot imagine Tom Cruise in <laughs> in sort of playing someone's dad or something in the future. It just feels, at the minute, like I just sort of I think he's going to carry on like this for the foreseeable. I just don't. And- I, I just can't see him end up playing like. I mean, I suppose it must happen eventually, where he ends up playing like the father figure to the main actor, but it just feels like a long way off. I mean, now we were talking the other week that um, you know, Harrison Ford's playing Indiana Jones at 79 or whatever. It just feels like I can see Cruise being that yeah, sort of age and still being the lead in a Harrison, film.
1: Harrison Ford is going to be 80 by the time Indiana Jones comes out. Hmm. I just don't do it. Just don't make it. <laughs> the film is literally about a man that runs around and swings on ropes and <laughs> it's like... I don't, nobody Nobody wants this. Do a spin-off where he's an old guy that's like, you know, like an old Batman. Do a spin-off where he's an old guy that's sort of, which is maybe what it is. But I'm, you know. You know, there's two lessons to be taken from Crystal Skull. One of them is, that was terrible. Let's never do that again. And the other one is, <laughs> that was terrible. Let's wait 20 years and then give it another go. <laughs> it's like no, the time to redo a Crystal Skull was the year after, <laughs> yeah. right? It can't, with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Yeah, anyway, or anyway.
2: uh, well, to do I, it, um, done it, do it in the nineties with Costner as his brother. Do Should've it in the nineties,
1: Costner as his Nazi brother. It would have been fucking incredible. It would have been fucking incredible. Costner, Connery, Ford. Yes, <laughs> it was going to be brilliant. Um, so, uh, what's the other? I, and when you do see Tom Cruise play dad, like in something like War of the Worlds, you kind of like go, what's, what's wrong with this film? And you go, oh yeah, he's a dad. Mm. It's weird. It's weird. He's forever going to be uh, a bachelor um, playing, I don't know, 70 year old stud muffins. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he does other stuff. Uh, doing more acting, I imagine. He'll go into character acting, character parts. I don't know. What did Buster Keaton do? He's basically Buster Keaton, isn't he? <laughs> it, with the success of Charlie uh, Chapman. Right, we've got someone in the waiting room now. Well, I imagine Let's, it's uh, our guest. Let's I hope. imagine it's our guest, but, but Natalie said someone is in the waiting room. Yeah, which, so it's ominous. Ominous. Oh. Um, right, okay, so we'll play a song and then we'll get our guest on.
0: Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's Fan Club on Foobar
1: Radio. We're wow. back! <laughs> we're back! We're back! We're back live! We're not live! We're pre-recorded on a Thursday and, uh, I, and we're in the studio. We're live and we're not live uh, and we're not in the studio. I'm in my uh, office And Nathaniel is in his washroom. And we're joined now uh, from uh, uh, Massive Wagons frontman. uh, We're joined now from, by, with Massive Wagons frontman Barry Baz Mills. Baz, hello. How are you doing?
0: Hello, I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh,
1: No, thank you for doing it. No worries. So uh, you're doing very well at the moment, aren't you? We're doing all
0: right. Well, you know, it's not for me to say really, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. Well, it's going. It's going all right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. What can I say? I don't like to brag, but you know, yeah. Good. Yeah. I think things are going well. Yeah. We're the songs on the radio, people buying albums. We just need gigs back. Gigs is what we want. Live music. That's what it's all um, about. Cause,
1: Cause did you, you recorded, so your latest album, House of Noise, uh, you recorded, uh, right in January, 2020, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. So before the pandemic hit, but listening to it, it does feel kind of like very sort of like um, optimistic and sort of cathartic. And it feels like, uh, you know, it feels like music that was written for like an audience to, to listen to and to sing along to. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, those songs were written. I mean, there's, there's, our, our sort of recording process... It, no matter how fast we try and write songs, it always seems to land every two years. So those songs will have been written over, over the previous two-year period, so it's three or four years ago, some of them, really. It just takes that long to get around to recording. And obviously, we had no, no idea about... When we recorded the album, no idea that the, the pandemic was going to hit. So it was just full steam ahead, and I don't know, it was just just a crazy time. And uh, obviously, we got them recorded, and then we had to make this massive decision. Do we sort of wait until to wait for this unknown future to unfold before we release it? Or do we try and release it at a stage where we can't go and promote it or anything? It was all a bit weird really, but you know, that's what we went for and you know, a bit of a challenge, you know, it was good. I'm glad we did that. It was good.
1: So I've got, I've got lots of questions about, um, touring and selling albums and all of this stuff. So can we just talk, talk to you about that sort of stuff?
0: Talk to me about whatever you like. Absolutely.
1: Okay, good um so right this all going to be like out of order though it's uh, so, like so right so you're you've just started touring again and, and gigging again
0: uh, yeah yeah we, we, well we were well we were really lucky to be asked to be part of the uh, the download pilot event the download festival. Um
2: and was, that, so what, everyone what, what was, was tested or Everyone was tested, were they before they went in? Is that yeah,
0: yeah, that, that's it. Everyone had to provide um a positive, um not positive, a negative result. Um <laughs> again, that'd be no good would it? That'd the object <laughs> completely. Um yeah, 10 it was limited to ten <laughs> thousand people as opposed to sort of a hundred thousand people. And um it was amazing. People were um I don't know it was just like a field of shell-shocked people they didn't know what was going on everyone was absolutely buzzing and the atmosphere and everybody was just happy and no trouble It was just amazing was incredible. So okay
1: so me and me and nathaniel are both uh stand-ups and um yeah. and so obviously we got a bit in common in, in the sense that we haven't been allowed to like perform in front of audiences mm. um so what was your what was your first gig i mean what must be incredible is to like something like the curry song which is on your latest album that's obviously got like a call and response kind of thing yeah and so you wrote it you recorded it you put it on an album and then you weren't allowed to sort of like play it in front of an audience for like a year and a half after the album got released so when you finally get to go on stage and obviously your fans have kind of like had the album to sit with and listen to for like uh for a year in lockdown and when you come and they know all the words when you get when you get onto the stage so what's the feeling like to kind of like have these songs that you've released um but you haven't been allowed to sort of like test in front of an audience and then you finally get on stage and do it
0: well it 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 was it was and also the added the added pressure of basically the first real gig back is a download gig which is like you know that's a massive affair it's like being thrown in with the sharks really isn't it you know it's like you're going to sing these songs for the first time in two years in front of the, one of the biggest stages you've ever played it's like, okay but and it was it was amazing and also you mentioned the curry song it's a it's, it's a real hit and miss song for people that people either love it or hate it which i think is a brilliant thing to happen and we didn't know how that was going to go down at download i thought we might get bottled off stage or something you know um, but the set absolutely went crazy where we played that song, people went bananas. I say yeah. Rogan, you say Mosh. You know,
2: people just <laughs>
0: people <laughs> love it. <laughs> <That's>
2: <laughs> I say yeah. you say Nam. Um, is it? Do you think it's cathartic for the audience as well? After being stuck up for so long,
0: I, I, absolutely. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, everybody was just it was just incredible. Yeah, it was just for such a release. Everyone was so happy. The atmosphere was just. just the, 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 the setup was amazing. We had two stages. It was a, a massive indoor. Uh, in a tent stage which was colossal the biggest tent I've ever seen and then uh, in the main stage so one there was no no um, clashes one band was on the tent one band was on the stage as soon as they finished everybody sort of crab walked straight into the tent and then straight back outside to the main stage and back in and out in and out you know and uh, no, you didn't, nobody missed anything it was just it was just awesome it was just amazing
1: yeah Where where, where is Download again?
0: Uh, Donington Donington
1: Donington, right, Donington.
0: Donington yeah oh, yeah oh, I Although, sorry sorry to interrupt, we we did did play a couple of strange gigs leading up to that, um, which were sat down gigs, which were like, was a rock show with people sat down. And they were like, weren't sat at tables, they were sat in pairs in a room. So sort of two people and then a few meters and then two more people, they didn't have a table either. It was just like, it was like playing in front of some sort of committee, it was horrible. (laughs) And they weren't (laughs) weren't allowed to sing or dance or stand up or wave or or anything. It was just horrible, really. What? i know
1: that uh, i know that at comedy gigs when people have when audiences not i haven't done a live gig yet but i know that i've got mine in a, a, like a couple of weeks um but i know that like audiences have kind of like been so overwhelmed that it, like for a lot of comedians, it's their first gig back, for, or for a lot of bands, it's their first gig back. But for audiences, it's their first gig back as well. And yeah. people have been like crying at gigs and just being like completely overwhelmed by it. It's like this huge kind of like
0: well, uh,
1: ragged, yeah. Can't, can't, people money on this gig? Kind of thing,
0: you know.
2: Also, yeah, like,
1: like, why? Why have I spent so much money?
2: Yeah. If, yeah. I if I haven't done a gig in a while, I always feel rusty so it's almost like you want to do something like somewhere small or like an open mic or something just to almost get it out your system and be a bit weird and then you've kind of back and it only takes one or two and then you're kind of ah yeah. uh, can do it again but if you're doing that and your first gig is a um download did, yeah. did you fit were you worried about being rusty or did yeah. do you get that at all or are you always ready to go on and it feels like a gig's a gig's a gig
0: I, I don't, it was it was strange when, when we kind of stood backstage, um, waiting to go on. Um, it, it did almost feel like the last year and a half hadn't happened. You, you know what I mean? It was kind of yeah. like it just like we were just there again and just ready to go. Really, there was a little bit of that. Be, leading up to that, you sort of think, can we still do it? Are we are we still any good? And then uh, when you're ready to go on, all that just goes out of your head, and you just, just go belting on, just leap around. You know, big point three. I got it, it well.
1: I do feel a little bit like the um, integration back to normal life has been fairly anticlimactic so far. Like, <laughs> I was expecting it to be like, here's a date in your diary, and now we're back. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. that everyone would be gearing up to it like the beginning of a race. But it's sort of like just dribbled out. And it's kind of like, oh, so they're, they're doing it over there and they're doing it over there. And I've seen loads of like online gigs and you kind of like, go, well, oh, I haven't done my first online gig. So by the time I come out and I go, yes, I'm back, guys. It's like everyone in the audience would have already seen like a bunch of other comedians by the time. <laughs> it. yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, we, I, you know, I thought, I thought we were going to kind of like plan it. it pulled a out. Way.
0: That's a good word a good, a good describe describing.
1: <laughs> yeah, but so, then you've <laughs> got to sort of like, scoop it all and put it back in again when we get, yeah. <laughs> when we get locked up again.
2: <laughs> your tour starts this autumn and everyone we've had on who've been touring up till now we've been doing that kind of well maybe maybe it'll <laughs> happen in or maybe it'll be in august maybe it'll but i guess now we can kind of say it is gonna happen right it's uh, definitely
0: I hope, so. I hope so yeah i mean i think people are still we've sort of got to a point selling tickets everything's kind of like three Half to three quarters of the way sort of sold out is great. Amazing. But it's just that extra little push. I think a lot of people are still uh, a a little bit kind of anxious and a little bit... Until they see other things happening, maybe. Yeah. You know, people are short on money as well. People have been out of work, whatnot. You know, it's just the way of the world. But, yeah, hopefully it's it's coming back.
2: But I get that because I sort of feel It feels a bit like, oh, what's the point in buying tickets for something? So it would just get moved back to something and it would just... So, yeah, I think you're right. I think as soon as things start happening... People yeah. see that they're happening and start buying tickets again.
0: Yeah, I mean, you always get the nutters, don't you? you don't care. They'll just go out yeah. and just, uh, just do whatever. But the cautious people, you know. Fair, fair enough. You know, they can wait for a little bit of reassurance, I suppose. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's happening, hopefully. It's been, it's been uh, re- rearranged about four times. So I can't think of a deal with it being rearranged again, to be honest.
1: Are you looking forward to seeing anyone?
0: A- any bands? Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Well, to be honest, I never get to see We I never get to see bands. I never get to go. go to uh, any any festivals or gigs ever. Really, I used to, but we we just gig that much and um, Mm. do that much band stuff. I just never get unless we're at a festival where there are other bands playing. I mean, we're actually going. Adam, our guitar player, is uh, getting married in October, so we're we're going on his. um, I'm his best man, so I I had to arrange a stag do. uh, The worst man for that job, and and I was absolutely paranoid. I didn't. I couldn't arrange anything because everything's so up in the air, and I didn't want anything to get cancelled. So we're going to um, a first Steelhouse Festival. I don't know if you're aware of Steelhouse Festival in Wales, and uh, we're going to that the, this next weekend. in the darkness of Plain, and uh, a lot of advanced the therapy, a uh, Wild Hearts, and yeah, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be the first festival we've been to in about ten years, just to watch bands.
1: Just, to, just to watch bands. Just to watch bands.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that'll be good. But, That's yeah.
1: incredible. I know that um, Alice Cooper is touring North America with Ace Freely at the moment, All right. and I'm. I'm just hoping that he'll announce some oh, UK date soon. Well, he, but the, oh, sorry. There's no he way used, Ace Freely's going to come over to the UK.
0: Well, he, he used to, we we played, we played a festival years and years ago called Hard Rock Hell and, and, and Ace Freely was booked as the headliner, I think, two years running and two years running he cancelled, yeah. <laughs> he pulled out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that's ages ago, right? He sort of like got himself...
0: That was a long time. That was a few years ago.
1: Yeah. Back into shape, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And Alice Cooper—he—he's okay. he, coming over with um, what he called um, Johnny Depp and um, your man yeah, Hollywood vampires. vampires. I see they're, they're coming over. I
1: although think. Al- although I went on his site yesterday to look him up. Uh, I've bought I've bought massive wagons on to talk to them about <laughs> much like Alice Cooper, um, but um. But I looked him up and they said that Johnny Depp was doing 15 of his dates. So I don't know if he just wants to get out of the house and he's going to be playing with them or what. But there you go. I'm looking forward to stuff. I'm going to come and see you as well. All right. Um, Which is exciting. Um,
2: The other thing that's happened, I guess, in this lockdown time is we've had Brexit. And is that going to affect you? Are you able to tour in Europe and, I guess, European bands? Do do we know about that yet? How does...
0: It's weirded in with the heavy topic. Uh, Uh, yeah no it's it's rubbish isn't it it's um yeah it's awful i i feel sorry for for bands a band's a lot kind of smaller than us it's Mm. awful for those guys um i'm friends with some guys in a really small band who want to go across to belgium and play and they have to pay um Buy a, you have to buy a, a, buy a carne, it's called, to to list all your gear you're taking with you. That's like 500 quid. And then you have to pay a tax and whatnot on all the merch you take out. And then you get the tax back on the money, on the merch you don't sell when you come back. And you know, all these things are to a small band, four, five, yeah, six per yeah. pound. It's What's the point in going if your fee's not go, not going to get paid that much? Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, and a band like us, it, it was also awful because we, we had a, a, a European headline tour our first one um, booked about, it was due to go ahead about two or three weeks after the, the lockdown happened, the first one. And we had all that momentum built, built up and that got cancelled. So then all, all, that, all that momentum kind of, yeah, I don't know, it maybe goes, you've got to hope it doesn't go out of the window for till yeah, now. but
1: this is, this is really sort of special circumstances, isn't it? Because you're talking about momentum, like you've built and built and built over like the last, you know, 10 years and so when when did you form you formed in 2009
0: uh yeah 2009 yeah 2009 yeah.
1: and so you've built and built and built and then you you know you've just having this album out but you've had all of this success over the last year and a half where we have been in lockdown yeah. and you haven't been able to tour and so what's the difference between I mean, it must be really weird because you've you've just won a load of awards. You've done uh, you've just started doing these festivals after this time away. So what was the difference between where you were before uh lockdown and then where you are now?
0: Um I think we took we we well the, the first decision, like I said, was to release the album during that lockdown, which was we thought it could either go one or two ways, it'd either be amazingly successful or an absolute disaster. But I think being backed into a corner and, and and, and being so active we, we worked so hard to get this far we're not going to let a lockdown. we're not going to go away we, we have to take advantage of it uh, we have to keep going you know to can't take our foot off the gas we're not a massive band and uh, the fact that so many bands kind of disappeared off the radar was a great opportunity for a band like us to to just make a noise and be heard you know yeah. and uh, we were doing so much we we're just so active that the bands weren't doing anything nobody was releasing much music Nobody was doing anything else we just made a big noise and 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 kept people entertained and the likes of classic rock magazine especially which i've been reading for about 20 years unbelievably got on board with us and and just supported everything we did and planet rock and all these people were just backing up backing up what we were doing because we were making such an effort and it's done us the world of good and uh, yeah that just snowballed the last year and a half has been amazing yeah and we're just uh, yeah flying at the moment just and and, and hopefully it'll just come come nicely into where we tour and and you know that'll be that
2: We'll, uh, and these days with music and, and Spotify and things, how does that work? Like when you release an album, is your album now promoting a tour? Is that the idea that you're kind of? Yeah.
0: Well, uh, yeah. the, the the kind of worry was we've more or less got another album written now. You see, um, and we were worried we'd never get to play any of these songs, or we would end up recording another album and never playing any of these songs. Um, but no, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we, we'll get to two of these these songs, this this album, yeah, definitely. That's
2: the plan. But for you, you're more like, you're on the road all the time, right? So that's your big kind of bread and butter as a band, right? The touring.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, to be honest, me and Adam, at the beginning of the lockdown, me at me, all the lads still had full-time jobs, other jobs, and I had a full-time job. And um, I got furloughed. Well, I didn't get furloughed. I got, let go. And I, because I'd only been self-employed for one year, I didn't get any furlough money. You see? So I didn't, I didn't get anything. And then Adam had, had, had left his job. So me and Adam were left with jobless really. So we, we set up like a, we set up a massive wagons, like an online fan club, if you like, on, on a, 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 a platform called Patreon. I don't know right. if you're aware, aware of it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, 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 and the response was incredible. Uh, absolutely insane and me and adam just spent our full time making content just singing songs writing songs doing guitar lessons doing happy birthday videos for all the patrons or writing people's song lyrics all that stuff people love it you know they're loving it and it's a subscription thing so that's kept me and adam going for the last year and a half and i I
2: guess it makes you puts you closer to your fans right and it, it, it is that thing that's kind of remarkable i guess about like i guess the culture now is that 20 years ago you couldn't speak to someone in a band you like you wouldn't have any access to them no but i guess with stuff like that you can now you yeah, know yeah
0: yeah, yeah they, they look they love it yeah it's um yeah it's it's for, it's for people that want, want to do that yeah if people want to get involved that deeply then that's that's amazing yeah it is yeah yeah i wouldn't want to talk to me i'm boring but people, <laughs> people seem to dig it i don't know <laughs> who knows
1: can you talk? So, on your new album, my favourite song on your new album is Matter of Time. Oh, right, wow. All right, cool. That's, that's great. That's, that's a, a great ball. song, right? Have you put, have you, what did you say about it?
0: I said, That's a curveball. Nobody's. Nobody, I've never been told that. <laughs> oh, really? Really? not no, nobody said that.
1: I, th- I think it's incredible. Can you tell right. us a little bit about what it's about?
0: Right. Well, it's, 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 a, it's a song, um, it might sound a little bit corny. Um, but I, I, wanted to, I wanted to write a song, um, I kind of like writing songs for other people, um, The song on Full Nelson called The Ballad of Verdon Hairs," which I wrote for that guy. Uh, and I wanted to write a song for my little girl, for my daughter, Lila, who's now, who's now four. And uh, it's basically, it's basically a, a message to her, really, about, uh, the, about how life's tough, you know, and how things go wrong and your family, are always they were always there for you. That kind of thing, you know. Uh, yeah, it's a song for my little girl. Yeah, and your mother's always there, wherever there for you. I hope that when she grows up, she listens to it and sings the little bits of it, and she loves it. And I hope that when she grows up and gets older, it'll always be there. You know, it's just something I can—I have the power to to make something that will be there for her forever, if you like. It's a bit of a cool thing. Yeah, have kind of a job.
1: I think it's—I think it's beautiful, and I think the lyrics are great, and I think the tune is great, and I think what's great about it is that it's a love song but it's a love song between a father and his daughter. And it's. Okay. Ju- I've just had a niece, oh. uh, my, sister, my sister's, well, a year and a half ago. And it's especially because of like all of the things politically that have happened in the last few years and uh, bringing a, a little girl into the world and sort of like raising her and looking after her. And uh, I just think it's a really timely i just think it's just a beautiful stunning song and oh, you've done really you well, well, well with
0: that thank you very much i'm glad you like that one that's that means a lot that's great
1: do you perform it live
0: uh, well, well we, ha- we haven't we haven't done yet no we have we have played it on a couple of live streams i think but obviously we've never uh never played it live yet no you know.
1: because i get the impression from listening to your albums that um uh your band is really kind of like about having a good time, right?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, definitely. Yeah, people are giving people a good time. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And how talk how fixed that. is your
2: <laughs> but how fixed is your set list on tour? Do you like mix it up, or are you kind of once you kind of get get the show, is it is it fairly rigid?
0: No, 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 no. I mean, uh, I mean we, we 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 play different sets every time we play. We could never decide on a on a set. I mean, I've got to be honest. In the last year, we have become a lot more professional, and things have got to. Uh, Things that it's it's a lot more professional to keep sort of play the same set on tour and and get used to playing It does get better as the nights go on, you know. And yeah, we are we are all, our, our show is not well we don't take ourselves seriously at all. and It's completely about our songs are about serious topics, re, real topics, you know, real topics. But it's all about having a f- having fun and giving. I want people to have a good laugh and have a, a night out, you know. And it sounds really it all sounds really corny, doesn't it? But that's what it that's what it is for me. No, yeah, that's I what think- I want it to be. I think it's,
1: I think especially now, you know, um, it's really important. And you listen to the songs when I when I say kind of sort of about having a good time, it's kind of like also through the lyrics of your songs and uh, from this album and the last album, you kind of like really get a kind of uh, no dickheads allowed sort of like policy. Do you know what I mean? It's like everyone be cool, and this is the music. Do you know what I mean?
0: De- definitely, yeah, yeah. I like writing songs. There are, there are there's a lot of my songs that are the, the dickheads of the topic of my songs. Yeah, they make a good fodder for songs. They really do. If I meet a few, then I write them down and remember
1: them. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to get into it because I had to stop taking it all personally. But uh, once I got <laughs> over that, once I got over that, I started to really enjoy you. The first song, well, like so, we had a bit of a funny meeting, didn't we? Um, where uh, we have a, a mutual fan. Mm, who right, put, yeah who put us in contact on uh, Facebook and uh, she sort of introduced us and then she uh, she left the conversation. This is about two or three years ago. Yeah, yeah. And she, so she got us in contact. She started, a, we'd never met each other. I'd never heard your band <laughs> before. And um, and uh, she started up a Facebook chat between me and you and then she left. <laughs> and she just left, left oh. us in this chat together. And, <laughs> and we were both like, well this is a bit fucking awkward <laughs> yeah, right? um, and then um and then out of out of sort of like um professionalism and you know uh, professional respect i listened to uh one of your songs so i had something to say and i listened to ratio all right and 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 i sort of like said oh i've listened to one of your songs i really like it um and then it stuck with me for about a year later. And then I think you were on tour and I was on tour and we were sort of like missing each other. Yeah. And we were sort of like messaging each other. And I was like messaging you saying, I'm listening to your fucking album and it's great. Yeah. And, uh, and you were messaging back. And so this is actually the first time we've met each other, even though we've been in yeah. contact for a few years. Yeah. But um, yeah, Ratio, that was the first song I heard. And it really fucking uh, stuck with me. And uh, to the point that I would sort of like be singing it, and uh, you know, I'd be in a shop or something, I'd be singing it, and I'd be like, What? Is, and I'd be like, Oh my god, it's that fucking ratio song that I heard. And then I started listening to your other stuff, and um, uh, that album because I've listened to it on Spotify yeah. without having um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, a CD without having uh, what do you call it, what do you call it, Nathaniel, when
2: physical,
1: like, physical media. Didn't have a physical video. media. So your last album was called Full Nelson.
0: That's it. Yeah, yeah, Full Nelson. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's got amazing songs on it: China Plates, Ratio, Tokyo. Um, yeah, China. I'm just basically gushing a little bit because uh, I, I, I love your <laughs> I love your songs. Ratio <laughs> has, Ratio has one of those lyrics in it, which was it was raining nails, and that really stuck with me for ages and ages and ages. Oh,
0: that's, that's cool.
1: Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Really, just want to say thanks for coming on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what are some of the What are some of the uh, bands that you like listening to?
0: What sort of the bands are like listening to? Um, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the re- the reason the reason we started formed a band, we we went to watch. There was kind of a there was kind of like a rock a rock resurgence in this country around sort of. 2008, some young ba- young American, Australian rock bands, a band called Blackstone Cherry, they, they'd sort of mm-hmm. released a few albums, they, they, were, they were big, and, and a band called Airborne, um, kind of an kind of like a, an ACDC sort of a band really, and, and they, they came over, and, and me and all the guys went to watch them in Manchester one night, and I'd never seen anything like it, it absolutely blew my head off, I'd just never seen it, and we just, again it's uh, my life is full of corny moments but it was just we just well we've got a band these guys are living it they're absolutely incredible so yeah that, that's uh, yeah airborne are a massive massive power we do um but
1: so were you so were you you, so you weren't in a band before and were you musical oh, before had, had you sort of like we we all play instruments or was it a case of we'll form a band you're the guitarist you're the drummer you're the bass player
0: well, well, with me and Adam, the guitar player, had been friends for a few years before that, and we'd played in a cover, like covers band, for a year. Kind of, I'd learned to play bass guitar, and he was—he's played guitar since he was about ten. And and we were playing kind of indie covers, popular covers at the time, just in pubs and stuff, make like a bit of money, whatever. And then that didn't last very long. And me and Adam had this mutual love of heavy music, of rock, and um, he'd been jamming with some other guys, you see. Uh, and they, they were rubbish, the drummer and the guitar player and the bass player, they were kind of beginners, you know. And they didn't have a singer, and uh just, I'll have a go at singing, <laughs> I've never sung <laughs> anything in my life. Um, but how bad can it be? Uh, and it's went from there, we we learned a lot of covers, Black Sabbath and Judas Priest and uh, all that kind of thing, you know, uh, The Who. And uh, again, we, we formed a cover band and, and, and then started writing our own music. Me and Adam started writing music together and, and it's just never stopped really. Uh, it's just amazing, yeah. Well, I mean, we, 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 this is the first, the first real band we've all ever been in. It, we sometimes, Some people say, we've had in reviews, people say, it, it's taken so long to get to this point, but it has. But we started from absolutely nothing. You know, we didn't, we didn't know what our promoter was at the start. We didn't know what any, anything was. It, we, you know, we didn't come from other bands with any experience or knowledge. We had just had to find... And we've discovered all this on our, on our journey together, so it, it means a lot at the moment where we are. You know, we've all sort of got this far together. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing.
1: And do you all have kind of music aside? Do you all have kind of like a special skill, which is kind of like one of you is good at finding out promoters, and one of you is good at marketing, or?
0: Um, well, to be honest, uh, me, me and Adam, me and Adam are kind of the. Uh, I wouldn't like to say the brains of the operation. Uh, that would be doing <laughs> a lot of disservice. Um, but you know, we we, <laughs> we kind of took took control for a long time. It was kind of the best way. We 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 sort of. Uh, the lads, the lads did their bits, you know. Uh, we have a well, we have a manager now. Anyway, she, she's uh, she's amazing, and we just leave it completely up to her. We got to a point where we we couldn't do it anymore. We needed somebody who knew what they were doing. Um, yeah, I just do things like this. Uh, tell them, you know, to be a dickhead. <laughs> and,
1: um, um, go on
2: that, I was going to say that we asked you to come up with some things you liked, and we played earlier uh, every day by Slate. Oh, right, yeah. Um, I really love Slade more and more, like the more I listen to them they they 're also they're one of those bands I think who uh they 're not really what you imagine they are, but they're also that if you' know what oh, I mean? yeah. <laughs> it's like that they are this kind of proper sort of stomping rock band, but they do have well, these songs like that, which just feel like this isn 't what you imagine, and also you have i think Noddy holder's voice can go from that. Huge voice to this, really kind of. He's also got a really kind of lovely tone to it. Yeah, I agree.
1: <clears throat> and I think because of, I think because of kind of like the Christmas song, they're always put next to Wizard and the Wombles. And you <laughs> kind of like go, they're like, they're, they're, they're kind of like in, in everyone's memory. And also the Smell of Reeves and Mortimer as well. They're kind of like these cartoon characters. Mm. Yeah. When, fact, when you see something like, was it Slade in Flames? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you the see, Flames. Yeah, yeah, the movie. It's kind of like you go, "Oh right," you're expecting it to be kind of like The monkeys, but it's actually really sort of like a lot edgier and grittier yeah. and darker than that.
0: Yeah, there's so much, there's so much more, so much more to them than Come On Feel The Noise and the Christmas song, like you say. Mm. They're just an incredible I think Slade, Al- Alive is my favourite live album of all time, and that and that's a great, a great example of what you were saying about um, about his voice. Um, he can sing. He just sounds real. He has this this amazing ability to sing really quietly and softly, and then just mm. ramp up the power and the volume. And it's just there's only one guy. He only has his voice. Nobody else sounds like him. He it just it's just uh, yeah. They're a, they're an amazing band. I think they were kind of um, marketed. The marketing at that time was all glam and all that sort of stuff. Uh, which I don't. I read I read some stuff. I don't think they were too happy about that at the time. But you know they went with it, and that's what the manager said would work. So. That's what they went
2: with but and it did work because i mean people yeah. sort of forget it now but like slade were a massive band they're not like this sort of one hit wonder they they were a massive band in their day and everywhere as well sort of in the states and over here it just yeah. feels like people don't really i don't think of them that way now at all but i think they were like huge weren't they
0: yeah oh yeah i mean i mean um i think we've got uh slade to thank for kiss um really i mean they were i think i think they were um hugely influenced by slade were kiss um i, I read i also read an, aw- an awesome story recently about noddy alder going to do a plane in america and he met did he meet kurt Cobain? and kurt Cobain's or, or he read something kurt Cobain had said slade were one of the reasons i formed a band because i went to watch slade and they absolutely blew my mind and it was incredible i was like wow we <laughs> wow we they're two poles apart those bands aren't they yeah. you, know, you know who knew
2: yeah. they there's such a kind of weird visual as well, but like it, I, I don't know, yeah, the more I listen to Slade, the more I get a lot out of them I think I think they're great and I, I feel totally underrated, but why did you pick Every Day out of Everything?
0: I, I could have picked anyone, I could have picked, it's an awful um, it's an awful thing being asked to pick one song, I have a list of about 4,000 <laughs> songs and uh, to be honest, I just I just picked that one because I love it, it's just incredible, I could have picked one of ten Slade songs to be honest with you, but it's a, I think it's um it's a, like you said, it's a great example of a song that maybe people haven't heard. It's just another no. side to them. His delivery, his his voice, it's a softer side to them, isn't it? It's, and it's a great it's just an amazing song. Far, far away, that's the other, that's my other favourite Slade song. Yeah, yeah. I think is, I think it's the the best pop rock song ever written, to be honest. I think it's amazing. But,
1: yeah. We always we always ask people to sort of like name their favourite song, but I think and I think that's like an impossible question to answer, but what's your favorite album?
0: Cranky, my favorite album? Oh my God, um, oh blimey, uh, put me on the spot there. I mean, I don't know. I'm a big fan, I like Ace- Power Rage by ACDC is an amazing album. Um I mean I, I class an album uh, my one of my favourite albums as songs as albums I can listen to all the way through without switching any songs off. Is that is that the kind of thing you mean? You can listen to it start yeah. to finish over and over and it it never gets never gets boring, I, I would say.
1: I'll t- tell you what it would be. It would be I mean, I'm like I'm more you know, I'm an Alice Cooper fan. That is basically my whole life, right? And um I'm constantly being asked, you know. Well, if I wanted to get into Alice Cooper, what should I start with? And also the other thing is people can always name poison or they can name schools out. And he didn't really do loads of sing- singles. Yeah. But I can always go, oh, well, once you've listened to Trash, or once you've listened to Last Temptation, my two favourites are Zipper Catcher Skin, which is like a new wave album that he did in 19... 19- no, not Zipper Your Skin, Flash the Fashion, which was a new wave album from 1980, and Dada, which was like this weird experimental album in like 1983 that he doesn't remember making, right? And they're just these really... But they're these really unusual things, and everyone thinks that they know what Alice Cooper is until you actually start listening to it, and you go, no, this is fucking nuts! <laughs> and, I think that, and so they're my favorite albums, but they're not what anyone really knows him for. And so I think like an album is, it doesn't even necessarily need to contain your favorite song. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, am, um, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am awful. P- people think because I'm in a band and I, I write rock, rock songs. I, I am a fountain of rock knowledge. I, I, I probably I probably couldn't tell you half of this. What well, half of the songs I like are called? <laughs> I'm just terrible. A terrible a, a, a trivial nonsense. I, I can't shoot the breeze about about things, but I know I, know what I like and I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I like one of my favorite albums is um it's a ZZ Top album. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's T-E-J, T-E-J-A-S. I think I'm assuming it's Texas, but in some sort of Texas slang, you pronounce it. That's an amazing album, a ZZ Top album. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a massive Stone Roses fan. I like the like Stone Roses. Uh, pe- people, that's an odd, an odd band for me to like, I suppose. I love the Stone Roses. I've, I love all of well, them. I
1: think, I think that, you know, um, I love rock music. Um, and you, like, what's good about your about your band is that it's kind of like a throwback to kind of uh, old-fashioned, fun, rock and roll music. Um, and, you know, uh, you're up there getting awards with bands like thunder and thunder are one of my another one of my favorite bands and they're kind of like it's like old-fashioned uh fun you're gonna you have a good night out when you listen to it rock and roll music and everyone assumes because of uh, you know the fact that i like alice cooper that i'm into you know, heavy, heavy metal. I'm into yeah. Marilyn Manson. I'm into Iron Maiden and, and so. But I like I like Alice Cooper. I like ACDC. I like Dolly Parton. I like Otis Redding. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I don't really go for the, all the heavy stuff. I like musical stuff. I like fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think that I, I mean, I get pigeonholed as kind of like a heavy metal fan. Where I mean, in yeah. actual fact, I like ACDC, but they're not heavy. They're like rock and roll.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're big. We're, there's a, we're big country fans. That me, me, Adam, and, and Alex, especially. Uh, we we seem to have this. We've, we we discovered this mutual love of country music. And 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 to be honest, when you when we we're going everywhere in the van, when you when you all you've been playing is heavy music, and all you've been listening to is rock music and metal music. All the last thing you want to listen to is rock music. On <laughs> uh country music, say, so love it. I love all the old country stuff. Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson and all that stuff. It's it's great. Great songs, songs. That, just great songs is what's
1: great. There's that story in the uh, Gene Simmons, uh, Gene Simmons autobiography, uh, Kiss and Makeup, and he's like talking about that um, he gets in, uh, invited to a Garth Brooks concert, and he's like, "Why would I want to go and see Garth Brooks?" And then he goes, to, "So Gene Simmons from Kiss goes to see Garth Brooks, and Garth Brooks has got like." Um, uh, wires on him and he's flying over the audience and there's fireworks coming out of his arse and everything and Gene Simmons is like oh he's exactly the same as us only he does yeah. country yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah Gaff Brooks was um, he... massive wasn't him absolutely artist.
1: absolutely massive well he did the uh, he did the inauguration didn't he uh, the other I, year yeah, uh, last year I think it's one of those things that it's like, if you're in your shot, I know that when I, like 10 years ago, when I was making a big kind of like splash in Edinburgh, everyone was like, oh my God, it's so different. He does all these things. He comes on stage and he's got a smoke machine and it's not like stand up. And you go, no, it's not like stand up. It's exactly like Alex Cooper, though. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, <laughs> you, you take, it's live performance, but you take something from one, from an, I think audiences get stuck in a genre.
0: Yeah. And, yeah.
1: and, and as an artist you can look at other genres and be inspired by other things if you're yeah. only being inspired by like other rock bands that are on the same yeah. lineup as you it's all going to sound the same
0: absolutely i've had this conversation a few times about writing music and i think the best songwriters yeah i listen to everything listen to all sorts and are influenced you can't help but be influenced by the artists and music but yeah just open your mind and listen to everything and take inspiration from everywhere yeah whatever yeah
2: people yeah films tv music everything but is that a worry do you worry like would you be worried to change your sound too much or whether you'd be able to bring your audience with you um
0: i, I don't think um i think we're quite lucky we've never um, our albums are kind of weird they, they never have um they never sort of all they, the songs are it's just a mash of all different weird songs we don't we don't really have a style i don't think we kind of write heavy songs and then we'll write a, ballad and then like an aor kind of an aor song and a country style song and these albums are just like just a mix of all these styles really so we've never we've got our own sound but which i think comes through in the music through the through the musicians but our own style we i don't know we just sort of we just write songs we just write whatever we're feeling at the time to be honest mm. it's
2: whatever I, comes I, think down. It's,
1: I think that's how it works with comedy as well where i've got like a, it's like a, your brain is like a cement mixer where you're just putting all of your influences in it and it's filtered through you so it sounds like me or it sounds like you but all of your inspirations are coming from all these different directions and you don't really know you know how they're going to be constructed or what form they're going to come out in
0: I think if you I think if you I think if you try and um, I think some some bands get away with it like ACDC they've been writing the same damn album for the last 50 years and, and it sounds amazing and it works every time but some bands Sometimes it doesn't work for, and, and you just end up writing the same album over and over again, and it just it's just it's just awful. I just never want to do that. I don't, I don't want to. I love the bands like like Muse or or um, any other examples. Uh, or Primal Scream are a good example. They write they write a different album every time. It's a, a rock album, and then it's a blues album, and then it's a a dance album, an electric electronic album. I think that's amazing. They don't. I don't want to bore myself to death writing the same album over and over again. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, if the fans like it, they like it. If they don't, if they want to get off. Whatever, you know, I don't know, yeah. New people come on board then,
1: don't
2: they, hopefully. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, guess. Let's talk about some of your favourite films, because that's well, that's what we're obsessed with. All um,
2: right.
1: So your favourite... No, well, we always tell people what their favourite films are. Okay. We're, we're, <laughs> we've, got get into, we've got to get into the habit of asking people, Nathaniel. So tell us, what are some <laughs> of your favourite films, Baz?
0: Some of my favourite films... Um, well, again, since I've had a little girl, I, I used to, I, used to I, was the, I was film mad. When I, lived, when I was single and lived on my own, um, I was down the, I missed the video shop. The video shop is something I think is completely missing from the Ice Street. I gutted. I, I mean, I, I like having films at your fingertips is great, but it kind of ruined, ruined it for me. So I don't really get to watch films as much anymore. But some of my favorite films are, um, I, I was mad into the Bruce Lee films years ago. I was absolutely crazy on him. Um, so uh, Way of the Dragon was my favourite Bruce Lee film um, I love um, I love Brendan Gleason. I, I love uh, there's a film called The Guard I don't know if you've ever seen it it's, I it's, haven't
1: seen The Guard oh, uh, The
0: Guard what, it's, it's amazing
1: what was the other one that he did um, where he's the priest
0: oh in Bruges oh that, yeah that's an amazing film With Colin uh,
1: oh what, no, no uh, sorry oh yes no yeah
0: um, I have seen Calvary that I've seen that yeah I've seen that Yeah, Calvary
1: He's yeah. so good in Calvary. I, you know, he's yeah. one of those actors. I think I've, I remember seeing him in like Harry Potter films and stuff. And you know, oh, yes, yeah, it's Brendan Gleason. When you see him like really sat down acting, he's always sat down. But he, yeah, like in Calvary, <laughs> I mean, Calvary was kind of like the follow up to The Guard, wasn't it? Um, uh, but yeah, he's an amazing actor. And in yeah. Bruges, oh. it's just. That's a crazy
0: great film, uh, incredible film. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I could watch that film over and over again and never get tired. I just think, uh, Colin Farrell, he's not this kind of guy I would pick up a film and watch because Colin Farrell's in it. I don't know, but I, I've watched every film I watch with Colin Farrell, and I end up, be, I end up being like, yeah, that was good. I really mean, enjoyed that. <laughs> he's
1: he's wow. uh, he's generally. I mean, I saw the gentleman uh, at New Year. The Guy Ritchie film. Oh, I don't yeah. think it's a good I don't think it's a good film. But fucking lot. hell, Colin Farrell is fucking incredible. <laughs> in and he's one of them people where you just think you just think you know, yeah. like I say, I'm not gonna sit down and watch a Colin Farrell film. Mm. And then whenever you do, you go, Oh yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, like, yeah. in Bruges, it, he is so him and Brendan Gleason in, in Bruges, they're such a dynamic couple. Yeah. But like it, but, He's so funny and he's so kind of uh, entertaining. Like he's so entertaining to watch. Yeah, Weirdly, yeah. whenever um,
2: I watch him, Bruges, I can't get out of my head that they're not Father Ted and Dougal. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get out of my head. Just yeah, like, yeah. even though, it, there's something about their kind of uh, dynamic in it that's really similar as well.
0: Well, I, I think, I think, I think the guard, the guard is his best film. I think if you've if you've ever watched it, if you find yourself border to you, tears it's amazing he plays um, he plays um, um an Irish policeman who's kind of the, the implication is he's, he's stupid and um, he's kind of stupid and through the whole film and then it kind of it, it kind of comes to that he's, he's not just quite as stupid as he thinks he is he makes jokes kind of um, bad taste jokes um, he's a little bit of a he's a little bit backwards and a little bit of a, an Irish hillbilly if you like it's, it's, it's an amazing film I think it's amazing yeah great film to watch yeah.
1: what's what's one way to denmark
0: um <laughs> that, that was that was an odd film i i, I sort of to chance to cross on on uh, netflix or something I, I i love i love um i love british i love british films and uh, there are a lot of awful british films i'm sure you know I've watched enough of them but good good ones one way to denmark is Rafe spall who is um timothy spall's son
2: hmm.
0: who um he's actually I, I think he's incredible the guy out of um uh, he's in um What's the zombie film called? <laughs> Shaun sure of, of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead, a little role in that, he? And he plays Oh, sorry, go on.
1: Oh, I was literally, last night, I was trying to describe uh, to my girlfriend who Rave Spall was, I think he's and I was saying, remember Shaun of the Dead? And remember the kid that works in a shop with him? <laughs> yeah. That's Spall. And she doesn't, she's got like a problem recognising people's faces. So, you know, we didn't get anywhere. But I did spend 10 minutes trying to describe the little kid from Shaun of the Dead last night. <laughs> but
0: yeah, he's got. he He plays. Um, he plays a guy, a Welsh, a Welsh guy who's really down on his luck, and he's got no money, he's got no job. Um, he gets beaten up, one thing and another. Anyway, and, and he just can't. He's struggling with life, and and he watches. Um, he watches a uh, some t- some TV, and he's uh, on the computer, and and he sees a, he sees an advert for um or or, or a, a YouTube video for um the prison system in Denmark where you get a wonderful cell and a TV and a job and you get all these things. And he thinks, <laughs> I'm going to go to Denmark and I'm going to commit a crime and I'm going to get arrested and go to jail in Denmark. <laughs> it looks incredible because there's nothing going on here. My life is awful. And then he goes over there and a few things happen and he ends up, it's a it's a love story, really. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great film. Yeah, I love it. I
1: watched, I watched this last year when I was drinking. Oh, you seen it? Um... I don't remember it I remember oh. it now that you've started talking about it um, yeah. but yeah I don't I don't drink anymore but I drank last year when I watched it and uh, I remember flashes of it <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I've seen it all the way from beginning to end I just don't know what order I watched it in <laughs> uh, Yeah, you say now, this are we allowed to talk about him now because uh, our guest is bringing him up? But um, you're a big fan of Big Trouble in Little China, yeah?
0: All oh, right, yeah, that's a great film. That, that is it. I kind of revisited that the last couple of years. I saw it don't years and years and years ago, and then again, I, I only am so behind. I only recently got sort of Sky and whatnot um, and found it and I watched it again. And I've, I must have watched it three or four times in the last year. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I was like, why, have I, why haven't I watched this film for so long? It's amazing.
1: I, I, I watched it like I can, I can rewatch that two, two or three times a year, and every time <laughs> I feel like I feel like I haven't seen it in years, and it. I, it just, I it always imagine it's not
2: going to date well, but it's really like comfort food for me. I love it. It's amazing. I think it's it gets cool.
1: better. <laughs> because kurt russell is such a dickhead in it it's so he's so funny he's so funny it's so ahead of its time to have an action hero who doesn't do anything heroic or uh competently for an entire film he's so brilliant i just i, I love it so much and yeah. I like the
2: whole thing is just him all he's interested he's not interested in the plot he's interested in getting his lorry back he doesn't want to get involved in any of it he's just he's just after his lorry that's been nicked at the start exactly Isn't yeah I love it's, it.
0: It's, it's like really he, funny. He's so, he is so funny, but he's, the thing that makes it great for me is he's not he's not a comedy actor, but he is yeah. he's so funny in it, and it, that's what makes it... Yeah, it's so funny. He's, 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 he's incredible. I, I think he's a amazing film,
1: yeah. It's, I think, yeah, because I think what happens is that you kind of like, um, when you sit down to watch it, you think if it's an action film or it's a thriller or it's something, and then if, if you just sort of like set your head slightly different and go, it's a comedy, then... Yeah, the whole thing just works. It's so yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> you know, it's like originally it was meant to be a western, and it was about his horse getting stolen. Was it really? They, all right. They didn't have the budget to do it, so they set it in present day, and they 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 changed it all like that. <laughs> but it's yeah. Um, why would you pick um, Why would you pick Big Trouble in Little China over perhaps John Carpenter's The Thing?
0: All oh, right, no well, flip your neck. Um, now, there's actually another great film. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I, um, I. haven't watched that for a long time, and I haven't watched the remake either. I, I don't really want to watch the remake. I don't think. Is it Nicolas Cage?
1: No, he was in the remake of The Wicker Man.
0: Oh, that's it. the bees. The bees. That's in it.
1: The thing. The thing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing. Remake is uh, yeah. half. It's a, it's sort of a prequel, but it's a remake. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. it's not worth. It's not worth it. Uh, and Roadhouse. You're oh a big yeah. Fan of Roadhouse.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Roadhouse. Bob Patrick Swayze. I seem to I tend to watch if I watch a Patrick Swayze film, I end up watching three or four Patrick Swayze films just in a row. I can't, I can't get enough of the guy. He's just uh, he's just such a handsome, just such a handsome sort of cool guy. You know, I think he's <laughs> it. Roadhouse. Is I think Ro-
1: Roadhouse is um, controversially. I think Roadhouse is his masterpiece.
0: Definitely, I would have to agree with
1: you. That's the one I'm the most comfortable watching. I love it. But I would, I'm, I'm the same with uh, Big Trouble in Little China. If I see Big Trouble in Little China, I have to follow up with Tango and Cash. Yeah, yeah. He's funny in both of them, but one of them is a piece of genius, and the other one is one of the worst films ever made. But they're both very entertaining.
0: Yeah. Have you seen, um, what, what, what was the film, um, the, the Tarantino, is it the Tarantino film with, with, with about the, is it the, did he remake the Magnificent Seven?
2: No, oh, no, did Hateful, Hateful Eight.
0: Hateful Eight. Did you, did, you, did you, hear the rumor, the story about the scene with the acoustic guitar in that, in that film,
2: there's
0: yeah. a, there's there's a, there's a scene in, in the log cabin where there's a I I think, i am not watching it for a long time. Is there a young, a young girl who plays acoustic guitar?
2: Yeah. Well, Jennifer Jason Leigh, isn't it? She's absolutely. got it.
0: And, and, and they, they, they'd got that, they'd got that guitar. it was, One of the world's oldest Martin um, acoustic guitars it was worth, like... It was priceless. And they got it on set. And Kurt Russell didn't know this. And there is a scene in the film where Kurt Russell picks the guitar up and smashes it against the wall in the log cabin (laughs) and smashes it to pieces. And it's like an ad-lib piece. And if you watch it, you see her face hit the floor... (laughs) <laughs> he guitar against the wall and, and apparently now they they won't lend guitars to anybody on any films anymore because he smacked the because of Kurt that. Russell with yeah. half a million quid or something
1: fucking hell
0: yeah yeah
1: fucking hell Kurt Russell channeling Jack Burton on uh, the set <laughs> <that>. yeah um, <laughs> right we've, we've, we've run out of time Buzz. we've only got we've oh. only got time to um, to play the internationally famous game Uh, famous in Britain and Malta uh, better or worse (laughs) so I'm going to hand you over now to Nathaniel Nathaniel
2: right Baz this game's called better or worse and you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before based entirely on my opinion to score points so beginning with Antonio Banderas okay but is Demi Moore better or worse than Antonio Banderas Worse. worse worse is Roger Moore better or worse than Demi Moore Better. Better. Is Daniel Craig better or worse than Roger Moore? Better. Worse, worse. You got me out? No, no, you're right. Daniel Radcliffe, better or worse than Daniel Craig?
0: Fuck <laughs> okay. it. Um, uh,
2: better. Worse, worse. Craig David, better or worse than Daniel Radcliffe? Craig
0: David? Um, um, he's worse.
2: Worse. Larry David, better or worse than Craig David? Better. 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 Uh, Gary Barlow, better or worse than Larry David? Worse. Worse. Gary Oldman, better or worse than Gary Barlow? <laughs> better. Better, <laughs> better. He is better. Uh, Gary Lineker, better or worse than Gary Oldman? Oh, worse, much worse. Uh, worse. Jerry worse. Seinfeld, better or worse than Gary Lineker? Better. Everybody's better than Gary Lineker. That's going to be a good score, I think. It's an eight! eight oh!
1: Eight. No. I think I got a nine. I think I got a nine. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'll put my aside. Uh, so you uh, have got an eight, which means you're not quite as good as Dame Baptiste or Marina Sirtis with nine. But you are Come better in. than Jamie Adams, Kyle Gass and Sarah, G- Sarah Gibbs with... Uh, uh, Jamie Adams and Kyle Gass got six, and Sarah oh. Gibbs got five. So you got an eight. You're not bang average. You, you're doing pretty well. I'll tell um, you. That. Well, congratulations, Sue. So your tour starts in September.
0: Yeah, hopefully.
1: You're, uh, <laughs> and then and then you're going to be doing uh, stand-up at your mate's wedding um, uh, in October. So that's me. exciting. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a good few months ahead of you. If you want to write um, me a
0: speech, that's uh, more than welcome.
1: I was the best man at my best mate's uh, wedding and it was the worst experience I've ever had. <laughs> and being a comedian actually works against you because everyone is expecting it to be good. And you're just there going, ah, oh, fuck you all. I split the room, people got upset and offended, and kids had to come <laughs> their ears. It was a terrible time. <laughs> and it was a bad decision all round. So yeah. you will do better than I did. <laughs> um, well done with everything. Congratulations on getting back out there. Um, don't leave because we need a photo. Don't leave because we need a photo. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but congratulations <laughs> everything. Thank you for um, coming on. No worries. Thank you for coming on. Uh, okay. uh, everybody, go out there and buy Massive Wagon's uh, latest album. Uh, thank you very much uh, for. I've just said thank you about five times in a row. We got everybody. uh, We're almost out of the woods, and then we'll be back in the woods again. So uh, enjoy it while it lasts, and uh, look after each other, and have fun. And we'll see you next week. Bye, bye.
0: See you later.